deep in football yesterday? Will you be stuffing your face with football today? Are you a fan of bold opinions that may or may not be stupid? If so, you've come to the right place. Indulge in some pigskin. It's time for the football brunch. It is time for the football brunch. Chops and Eric Reeser hanging out with you today. Only an hour show because we got Buckeye hoops. Probably. Scheduled. Who knows? Like, who knows when a Buckeye basketball game is going to happen anymore? I think they'll play it today. But they will play it today. There's no. Maryland made it to town. There's no reason to think this one won't be played, but it just feels like they just keep getting taken away from us. They, they're, they're lined up. They're going to play a game. And then it was because they could have gotten here. Columbus was okay the day that. Uh, Iowa was supposed to get here, but Iowa was bad. And then that storm shifted into Columbus. And it was also need a plane. And Iowa did not have a plane to take them. So that, you know, so there you have it. And well, I I think it was Wednesday night because they were trying to fly in that night and and try to survive the winter storm on Thursday. And uh, I think I was talking with Tim who will have on at the end of this show to crosstalk before he warms you up for that pregame. I'm like, Oh, they're just going to try to fly out Thursday morning. It's like, have you not seen the weather reports? Like, if you aren't getting off the ground Wednesday night, yeah. that game's just not being played. And I think Iowa, there were some Iowa beat guys that were like, oh, no, there's still some hope. They held like, on to it. It's a fun thing to have, but can we just be reasonable here now? If you don't have a plane that can get you off the ground before, like, 10, it wasn't going to happen. So hopefully they can reschedule that game sometime this month. And the Buckeyes are going to have, like, an NBA schedule over the next four weeks. It'll it's like 11 games, games in a month. It's the, Today's the sixth, and this would be – from this game until March 6th, their last game, it would be 11 now because they've got two Big Ten games I'm s- to make up. I'm still trying to figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, they play well to be a good thing. Yeah, there's a lot of home games. So I know talking to Paul Keels yesterday, he was pretty thrilled about that. But they have played a home Big Ten game since that Penn State game. Right. This year, they've had five postponements in the, the throngs of the pandemic they had won. Yeah, that's crazy to, to think about that. And then now it, th- this one wasn't even COVID related. It was weather related, but they do play today. They play Maryland <laughs> at home. We will have that for you. Coverage starts at noon, a 1 p.m. tip off for that one. Other things we wanted to hit today. And this one, a uh, little, what, schadenfreude? Is, oh, is that what we're going to go with on this I'll, one? I'll be honest with this news. And, and we're going to be able to laugh at our enemies here in a minute. But how back is the you looking right now? Um, in terms of a like a, a sliding scale, like one not so back, ten absolutely back. They're hiring whoever they, they want. Ten. They don't care if right. the guy has a job. Well, he didn't have a job. You talk about Kevin Steele, the now former Maryland offensive or yeah defensive coordinator. But for he a was day. never the Maryland. He was, well, he was but never. he wasn't. But he was there. He accepted the job at Maryland. He was there. He was doing things in their offices, talking to players, and then said, nah, I'm actually going to go to Miami instead. Were the T's dotted on the contract? They were not. Okay. He did not sign on the line that is dotted, as Bo Bishop Good job out of you, Mario. And then they they went up and they said, we don't care that you are the offensive coordinator of Michigan. Come be the offensive coordinator at Miami. And they've done that. So Josh Gaddis, the Michigan offensive coordinator, Former Michigan offensive coordinator. It's still in reports, but, you know, you got, what did you say? Bruce, Bruce Feldman, Feldman said it yeah. is agreed to. Pete Thamel, like the guys that know. Josh Gaddis is leaving Ann Arbor, going down to South Beach, taking over to be the offensive coordinator in Miami. To me, this says that Gaddis was probably the one lined up to take over, at least in a, maybe it would be interim. I don't know what their plan would have been, but 
it seemed like Jim Harbaugh was leaving at, at certain points this week for the NFL. Yes. It, we, we all thought he was going to go to the Vikings. Apparently there was a misunderstanding about it just being still in the interview process and not a fully offered job. But that's that's what we thought. That's what Jim Harbaugh thought. It wasn't what the Vikings thought. And they're the most important in that scenario. So Jim Harbaugh comes back. And to me, this reads as Josh Gaddis going, I'm done with this. This is too much of a mess. I've been offered a different job to go be offensive coordinator at Miami. I'm going to take that. I don't want to deal with this uh, dysfunction going on right now. Well, uh, and the key word, the key part of that word dysfunction for Ohio State fans is fun. And I, I think Gaddis was the in case of emergency break glass coach in waiting. Mm. I, I, Mike Hart would have been the fun name in terms of if you want to have a quote unquote Michigan man leading the program. You know, Josh Gaddis is from Wake Forest, so he has no idea about the tradi- the rich tradition of Michigan. Well, they're the champions of the West. Yeah, you know, those who stay will be laughed at. So, and I, I think Harbaugh left them in the waiting. For so long that they had to have those contingencies in place because Mike McDonald, even before all of this Harbaugh nonsense really started to pick up steam, was already back with John Harbaugh Mm -hmm. in Baltimore, kind of with a coaching internship one year. And so, yeah, Jim's kind of just left with the what's it, the Will Smith meme. The house all by himself, no furniture, no (laughs) assistance. And that really the bed that he made. Yeah, he did. I was going to lie in it. This isn't something that just happened to him that, oh, we had a we had a really good year. And for some reason, all these guys want to leave. You wanted to leave. And not even just this year. You know, it was a weird month for Michigan. But really, this has been going on for the last year and a few months, 13, 14 months, because he wanted an NFL job last year, too. Couldn't get it. Took the pay cut at Michigan. I guess stuck it to them by winning the Big Ten and you know, figuring that you. out. Then he got his bonuses. He gave the bonuses back. I don't think he's motivated by money is an interesting part of this. So I don't know how much he really even takes into account the pay cut. It's probably just more like the pride thing. And then he was going to leave. And I mean, there were nine NFL jobs open and he couldn't, couldn't get, get a one. bite. Yeah. I think there was an interview. I think it was Mitch album of the Detroit free press where he said losing that Super Bowl when he was with the 49ers stuck in his crawl for so long that it always kind of tugged at him. Uh Any time he saw opening in the NFL, it felt like, you know, he would want to get back to that level to actually win that Super Bowl. And I can understand from a competitive aspect to where you're always just going to be thinking about that Super Bowl that you lost, where Roger Goodell went to the basement of the Superdome and he turned out the lights. (laughs) But you're always going to want, you know, wonder what if, but you can't do that at the expense of what you're doing now, what you're trying to do, because that'll just completely Hindenburg your credibility. And now his is smoldering in Ann Arbor. And it's so strange because like right now, Michigan, they're, they're on a heater. They won the big 10. They beat Ohio state for the first time in what seems like forever for them. Yeah. And they, they come in with, I think the, the, the ninth ranked recruiting class, even with Harbaugh. Now, obviously the early signing period is the big one nowadays, but Harbaugh was interviewing on national signing day, which also just looks so bad. They won't make a move. They won't fire him. And they just accept him back. And he says, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to go anywhere. That, that was my last flirtation with the NFL, which I do not believe at all. No, <laughs> um, but they they seem to be riding high, and then now this this kind of just screws it all up, and now they're without a defense coordinator and an offensive coordinator in February. What are they going to do? The, the guys have already signed all these jobs. There's not available people that are going to be to the quality that they want. Promote from within. I guess. Yeah, do exactly what they were going to do when, when Harbaugh was still in limbo. It's You have contingency players. At least you would hope an organization like Michigan would have contingency plans in place. I mean, they had to excuse their president last month, and so they had a contingency plan there. Probably had a contingency for Harbaugh, have a contingency for Mike McDonald, and now maybe, you look, Mike Hart, 
do you actually want to be a head coach? Here's your chance to go from position coach to coordinator. Uh, there's, I think, a couple other names that are floating around from Harbaugh promoting from within is the only route that you can take. Because I feel like if you try to go outside of the program, people are going to feel like they're not really the first choice because this wasn't a plan of them to move on from these coordinators and go forward with a new guy. So even if you try, I mean, could you try to raid the Mac, try to find a good coordinator from there? Maybe that would be enough, but then it, it, it would depend on the guy's situation. Maybe he feels comfortable where he is. And then to me, do they want to suffer any more embarrassing headlines? Cause that's what it's been now for a month for them would being turned down by the Toledo defensive coordinator or something like that be just another thing that just looks really bad for Michigan. So maybe just promoting from within and making this kind of a stopgap year is the goal. Has there ever been an interim offensive coordinator? I'm sure. Yeah. There's been co coordinators. There's been interim coordinators. There's been position coaches that have been the play caller that don't have the actual title of coordinator. So Mm -hmm. We, we've seen it every single scenario that can play out, play out. Uh, it just hasn't been this prominent with a program like Michigan that you would think, like you said, had all that momentum coming off of what they did last year with finally getting one over their rival, finally getting a Big Ten football championship, finally making it to Indianapolis, finally cracking the college football playoff. Yeah, they got rolled by Georgia, but Ohio State's had some had some lack of successes games in the college football playoff. And and so we can't necessarily here in Columbus laugh at Michigan getting rolled by Georgia too much, but this, all the goodwill that was built up by that run Michigan had feels like it's been undone. Yeah. It's completely deflated. It feels like he's got to basically copy and paste last season and without the, the, the minds that put that together, because a lot of that wasn't Jim Harbaugh's doing. Like, a lot of their success last year was the immense talent that they had. Mm-hmm. Sure, recruiting goes into that, but you had Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald perform at the levels that they did in getting the of- defense to play as well as it did and making proper adjustments in games where you needed to, Michigan State game, Georgia game notwithstanding. Now you don't have that. Now you have to rely on guys to kind of learn on the fly. And like you said, we're in February now. And so Ohio State spring games on the 16th, Michigan's uh, on April 16th, Michigan spring game, probably in a similar time frame. That's not a lot of time to kind of get things back yeah, together. Spring practices start in a month yeah, or so, a little six weeks. You're, you're already behind the eight ball on this. And you, I don't know what, you know, what, what's, when has, when are they going to be able to get together even as a full coaching staff? Now that Gaddis is gone because when does Harbaugh kind of walk back into the facilities with his tail between his legs or if he's done it already on the flip side, the fun part of this, as we mentioned is Michigan there, they were in a nice hot air balloon at the end of this season, or at least after the big 10 title, you could say. And now that air balloon has completely lost all of its air. It's on the ground. It's not looking good. So for Ohio state, I'm assuming that they're looking for blood next year in the game. And there's the, you know, the, it, it brings me back to the rumors that on a conference call, Ryan day said, we're going to hang a hundred on you, Jim, you know, you take care of your own stuff. And if there was ever a year that that was going to happen, this seems like it's setting up for Ohio state to really be able to take it to Michigan next year. And that I couldn't be more excited about. Well, you've got a program like Ohio state that coming off that Rose Bowl win with a ton of momentum. You bring in Jim Knowles and the job he was able to do at Oklahoma State. Perry Eliano, Tim Walton both come back or both come in um, to coach the, a, a secondary group that's been much maligned over the past couple of years. And then you bring, you know, Tanner McAllister follows Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State and you, you just bring in a lot of hope 
along with that tremendous offense that you saw in Pasadena with all of those dudes that broke all of those records are entering their second, third year in the program. Like CJ Stroud was a Heisman finalist in his first year. Mm-hmm. There's so much momentum with Ohio state right now. And you, you look at the rival and there's none. If Ohio state figures out their defense with these new hires, the, the team should be a juggernaut this year because you're, you're looking at the, like a situation with like the Oregon game because they play Notre Dame first game. So the Oregon game was second game of the year. And I think they win that game at the end of the season. Once, you know, the defense never really figured it out, but with Stroud really figuring out and the offense firing the way they were, opponents. I, I, I think they could have won the Oregon game. So I'm not looking at that like they're, oh, you know, they're still trying to get the quarterback right. And then he had that shoulder thing too, that he, he sat out the game for. And once that was good. So I'm looking at the Notre Dame game this year, and I don't think we're going to see a similar fate to the Oregon one. And I think this Ohio state team that if it comes together on defense, I think we're going to see one of the better Ohio state teams in recent memory. I got two names for you that could potentially have nothing to do right now. And that's Tom Herman. Okay. Right? I think we last saw in Chicago as a bears analyst and Brian Harson who was an offensive coach for years with Texas, with Boise State, before becoming the head men at Arkansas State and Boise State, now at Auburn. Mm-hmm. So if the half the booster base that wants Harson out of Auburn gets their wish, you got a guy there. Nothing to do. It's, it's not the Nick Saban coaching car wash, but... You know, it's a, still a prominent job, and if yeah. you can turn, if you can continue Michigan's success offensively for either Herman or Harson, the Herman one interests me. Get back me. into the good graces of college football, because Herman had some high-profile issues with uh, with the with Zach Smith at Ohio State. So I wonder if there's any motivation to try to then go back and stick it to Ohio State. And I don't know if that's personal towards the school or if it's just between those two guys but that one interests me i think there'd be a lot of juice to that one i i I would like to see that i would like to see tom herman up in ann arbor and see what he could do herman's pretty immature i don't know if he's petty um so i I, you would think like if you want to be an adult here tom just focus on your job and focus on getting michigan to be better and what would come with that you know just as a nice little cherry on top would be beating ohio state right sure that'd be great but you know, you got caught with a middle, you know, a middle finger on live television. You were just <laughs> never really an adult at Texas. You had your goofy and he's supposed hydration to be a genius, chart, right? He's supposed to be what? What is Mensa? Mensa? Yeah. yeah, got a triple digit IQ. I mean, my IQ's in the double digits. So you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what IQ means in in terms of how that translates to football. Because there are a lot either. of idiots in football that you go, how can you get a job like this? Like the New York Giants, their entire organization. I'm sure they've got some Mensa members there, but they never act like it. Like all of these owners. Joe Judge is like a football morons. guy. Morons. Okay. You're, you're so that it's guy. a different sort of IQ. I get it. Up next, the Pro Bowl. It sucks. Let's try to make it better. Football brunch on the fan. Traps and Eric Reeser, football brunch, hanging out with you until noon today. Buckeye basketball coverage starts then, and they've got a tip-off against Maryland at 1 o'clock. Also today, I think you can hear this on 1460 ESPN after that Buckeye basketball game. I like that bump back right there. The You've got the Pro Bowl, and it's – I mean, we're not going to mince words here. It's, it sucks. It's not any fun. I Every year I say, maybe I'll watch it, and then I just don't. Do you watch it? No. I will have zero interest in it today. I interest in the senior bowl yesterday, but not today. The players will have the same amount of interest that you have. Probably. And you can see it. And that's the problem is uh, 
baseball is fine. The home run derby's fun, so they've got that. They've at least got their marquee event. Basketball, the 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 dunk contest has lost some of its luster, but it's still fun. And I think the NBA All Star Game is the best because even bad ba- basketball is like the pizza idiom that like even bad pizza is still pretty good. Like basketball, when they're not playing defense, well, then you just get to see some of the best athletes in the world run and dunk and do all sorts of crazy stuff. So the basketball one is still an okay ride to go along. Football, the problem with football is it has to be played at maximum effort to get the maximum entertainment value. When the guys take it easy, you can see, and it just doesn't look any good at all. So what would we do? If we were we were putting on our NFL commissioner hat, what would we do to make the Pro Bowl better? What would make it more watchable? I think the first thing they have to do is because you that's the worst part is the patty cake the lines play with each other. The pass rush doesn't really try very hard. The offensive linemen go maybe 50% speed kind of they engage in their block and then they just let the play pretty much go by so i think just cut out the lines the guys can still be voted pro bowl maybe we can find something for them to do but i think it should be a seven on seven game i think that's the one thing that could make it a little more entertaining we could even strip out the pads and make and go true seven on seven how they you know how they do in those those spring leagues that that all the high schoolers do i think that's something that people would be interested in because it'd be a little different and you'd get, you'd probably see the athletes competing at that high level. You're never going to see them compete at a high level. Like you, if you watched the NHL All Star Game, it was a beer league game. If you watch, I think the Metro All Stars beat the Atlantic All Stars, and Zach Warensky had an assist in that final game. But the 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 two semifinals and the final beer league, uh, the MLB All Star Game. I would imagine if you go to Goodell Park, you'll see more effort in softball games yeah. than you do there. And you're right. With football, you have to operate at 100% speed to make it an entertaining watch. So I'm in agreement with you there. Just eliminate the lines. Have it just be a nice nod. Because you already saw, like, guys nominated to the Pro Bowl opted out because they just didn't feel like playing in it. Like, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to be playing. Aaron Rodgers is not playing. These guys, they're injured. They just went through a whole season. They don't feel like doing this. You can also... Josh Allen was asked to be an alternate QB because uh, Lamar Jackson is hurt. And he basically just said, I'm sore. I'd rather do like, anything. It's not even like a, I mean, I, it's a legit excuse because I'm sure you are sore after sure. a football season. But, like, he's not actually injured. He just said, no thanks. Yeah, it's, I'd, I'd literally rather do anything else than go to Orlando. Free trip to Orlando. Yeah, anybody can do that. If you maybe go back to Hawaii as a, as a, as a, as a bonus for players, there's some incentive there. But just completely eliminate it. Take off the pads. Do it like the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. Just start making fun things during the game that would give you any intrigue. And the NFL has got zero interest to do any of this because this is just throwaway programming mm-hmm. that you do to buffer the championship weekend to the Super Bowl. And it, it gets a few million viewers. They can give it to right. whoever the television partner is. I don't know if it's on ESPN or wherever it's on. It but. gets probably exponentially more ratings than Cornhole or Fancy Knife and Axe Throwing, which would be the alternate programming ESPN would air. Yes. So they're already able to monetize it more than what they would already have. And because the ratings are pretty much either it's stagnant or they probably fluctuate year in and year, but not enough to where they're going to say, oh, we really have to change this or we have to scrap it all together. A few other things I thought might be fun. So make it seven on seven. Let's change some rules so that it's just a little bit more exciting. Like, could we let the wide receivers get that running start that they get in Canadian football? Okay. Or is that the Arena League? Or is it both? It's like Canadian football. It's Canadian football? Yeah. The Arena the, League might well, have Arena it, too. The Arena League does it, too, but they only have 50 yards to work with. Yeah. 
Maybe that. Maybe just make them play arena football. See, see what that looks sure. like. That would actually probably be better because I'm, I'm sure filling up a football stadium is not very feasible for the Pro Bowl. But could you fill up an arena? Maybe. Yeah. Um, what was the year? Did they that? It might have been the pandemic year that they just streamed all of this on Twitch. The like, look at alternate ways of providing mm-hmm. content uh, to make it so that you would get viewers from that wouldn't normally tune in to something like well, this. That was another one that that I thought about. Remember that fan league that Johnny Manziel was playing in? Where fan like football league, where yeah. like the fans were like, why not do that? Why do Matt Lafleur and Mike Vrabel have to come out and coach these Pro Bowl teams? One, get rid of coaches. Let the players coach themselves. Just let it. Just let them do yeah. whatever they want. I think that would be fun. And let the fans call more plays. Maybe not every play, but let them call more plays. I, I so let me throw a few other rules that I thought about. How about this to make to up the to up the difficulty level? Any batted pass, any PBU is a turnover. Sure. I think that's fair. And then the quarterback then, gets shot the with a quarter, paintball gun. Yeah, you're the best quarterbacks in the world. Don't let the quarterback even touch the ball. All right, I'm okay with that. What if you had linemen instead of doing anything lineman related? They were the quarterback. <laughs> Just like, let it switch up positions. Yeah. If you that have to, might be if, fun. You, if you're forced into a three and out on the next possession, your center is now the quarterback. Three downs instead of four, there's no punting. Yeah, you can't punt. You can't punt or kick in the game. There's just you there's just have no three downs. There. If you don't get it on third down, turnover. Uh-huh. I think that would be that would you know things to up the difficulty that make it more competitive. Actual slime, actual slime. There you go. Let's put it on Nickelodeon. Get some guys slimed up. That's a good idea. One other thing we were talking about how like unappealing going to Orlando is. The NFL really wants to grow their international game. Why not put the the Pro Bowl in an international site? So where I was talking about wanting to go to Hawaii. I'm not sure there's any interest in February to go to a place like Germany or England where the weather is comparable. How about Mexico City? They've done that. That's a nice, could nicer climate. Um, I I don't know if players and their families would feel great about traveling down to Mexico just for safety reasons. Um, We are still in a pandemic, so maybe Hawaii would probably be the furthest away you'd feel comfortable going i don't think canada will let anybody into their country right now so maybe after the pandemic you kind of revisit locations but for all intents and purposes orlando is probably the worst place you could go oh uh, flint michigan <laughs> yeah anywhere i guess on the stink. northern side yeah. dude at lambo either way no matter what they do the the pro bowl is just never going to be that it's, good right. because football requires like we were saying it requires that maximum effort to look good and there's just nothing you can do about that. When you know somebody doesn't care, it's very difficult for you to care in what they're doing. And, like, they just quietly got rid of that, like, uh, picking the teams thing. Remember it was, like, Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders were coaching teams and they picked the players and it wasn't NFC. It's just back to AFC versus NFC yeah, this the, year. I don't know where that came NBA from. The NBA was trying to do that and then it fell on its face because nobody cared. Like, just, and, and that's the well, thing. Well, did the is, NBA not televise the picks? I can't remember. It was that that so year that like Steph and LeBron did it. Like, yeah, it wasn't even. I don't know that. If you're trying to make content, just put stuff that's content out there. Keep churning it out. Yeah, just give them a fire hose. Pro Bowl today at I don't know two thirty or uh, something. We're jipping on the AM after the men's basketball game. If you're so inclined, fourteen sixty ESPN's your plays. We got a big show next week to break down the Super Bowl, but this week we're taking a look at the quarterbacks. Who has the better story? Football brunch right here on the fan. Football brunch, Chops and Eric Reeser hanging out with you 
until noon today. Buckeye basketball tips off at one. Our coverage starts at noon. Timmy Hall will have your pregame or your what is, what is it? Uh, the the warm up. The warm up. Fan yes. warm up show from noon to noon fifteen. Then Paul and Ron have you with the pregame show until one. We'll get an extra few minutes with us in the next segment. Yes. But Live so, from his basement. So we'll get some basketball talk next segment. But for now, we're we're taking our first dive in to the Super Bowl. We'll have a full breakdown next week. We've got a lot of stuff to go over. Uh the, you know, there's tons of things. And I think the most intriguing one for me is the quarterback storylines. I think they both have uh, very interesting storylines to go with. So I'm going to actually open it up to our producer, Triple H here, because you have a close relationship with Matt Stafford, not actually personally, <laughs> but, BFFs. but yes. you, uh, you, you've danced with him for a long time up there in Detroit. Where do you stand? Do Lions fans want to see him succeed? Is that something you are here for? With him oh, with the Rams? Oh, 100%. And I think a good way to imagine it, I think, for people here would be, like, if LeBron spent all 11 of his Cavs seasons, like, in a row, like, he had tried, he had re-signed over and over again with the small team trying to get them a championship, and it just, too many mistakes at the top end led them to, you know, having to say goodbye to Matthew Stafford. So mm-hmm. here he is playing for it all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, obviously, like, he, he spent 12 seasons in Detroit. So, <laughs> yeah. He gave it his all. He, I mean, he played well. It was for a period of it. It was him and Calvin Johnson. And then that for another it. period, there was, it was just him yeah. essentially. Uh, and at least he did the thing where, you know, they traded him. So they at least got something out of him. He didn't just walk away in free agency. So that's nice to hear from a, from a Lions fan. And I think that's the sentiment I've picked up on is that Lions fans do like seeing Matthew Stafford succeed somewhere else. So he's a guy who, Number one overall recruit, number one overall pick. Never got it fully together at Georgia. They had that one year where they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They were number one. I think uh, was it No. Sean Moreno was was with them yep. as well, and they they looked. But no, that year didn't come together. Nothing ever came together in Detroit. He gets traded, and I can't remember who was saying this. It, it might have been on Bishop and Friends when uh, Bo was talking to Tyvis earlier this week. But this game is such like a make or break thing for. Matt Stafford, if he wins, if he gets this and he gets a Super Bowl ring and he can put that on his resume, I think he's like a surefire gold jacket guy. I don't know if he's first ballot, but I think he, he's a guy who's going to make it. If he loses, is he just a really good quarterback who n- never quite put it all together? Where do you fall on that? I'm not sure I'm there with Stafford because I've always thought really highly of him. Um, and I've always just kind of given the benefit of the doubt because he was with Detroit for so long and they've just squandered the careers of so many Hall of Fame players. I right. mean, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, or just to name a few. And they never they never committed to putting actual talent around him. They were they're they're still cheap to this day where they're not paying Calvin Johnson like it's like one point seven million dollars they owe him and they still just won't give it to him out of spite. It's like try to repair these relationships, guys. So I put a lot of Stafford's tenure in Detroit on just the ineptitude of that Lions organization. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I do think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback as of right now, regardless of what happens on Sunday, because I think the numbers are there. And I just think the the impact that he's had on the NFL is there. And I don't know if there's a ton of pressure on Stafford. I, I don't know if there should be. I know there is, obviously, because of what you just said, where he's They've certainly got, got more pressure it. than they're the Bengals. The, they're the team that's got the most. Yeah. yeah, they're the team of even the four teams last week that have the most pressure because mm. You know, for the 49ers, it was just like, well, regardless of the outcome of this game, we're still getting rid of Garoppolo and we're, we're still just going to kind of go into 2022 on whatever is going to happen. Um, but, but but back to Stafford, you know, it, it 
I think would uh, obviously yes, a Super Bowl win uh, probably gives him a Super Bowl MVP. Probably gives him the put, you put the gold jacket on him now. But I, I do think that there's a couple years that he's got left to maybe prove it, and and it could be a number of different things in Los Angeles. You know, even regardless of what happens next Sunday. On the other sideline, you've got Joe Burrow, who is the prince that was promised. He's the guy who it all has come together. It didn't look like, uh, you know, you could maybe have your doubts at certain points in his college career. He had the injury at Ohio State, and then he was beat out by Dwayne Haskins, so he transfers. He transfers down to LSU. This is the one detail that people don't bring up when they talk about, like, oh, Ohio State let this guy go. Is He was just fine his first year at LSU. And then it all really came together that next year. Right. Um, so, but It th- took time. But since then, he's been on fire. He does not lose elimination games. Nope. He he uh, he wins when he has to. Because even these last two playoff games, it's not like he's been overly impressive. But when they needed to make a play, he's made it. And in the playoffs, that's the number one thing you need your quarterback to be able to do. So Joe Burrow has been able to do that. He was also a number one overall pick. It's only taken him into his second season to get to a Super Bowl. The Bengals feel like they're playing with house money. They feel like they were a year ahead anyways. When they Even when they won the division, it's like, okay, they're, they're a year ahead of schedule. But now they're in a position to win the Super Bowl, and you don't care about being a year ahead of schedule at that point. I don't think there's quite as much to drum up for Joe Burrow because there's that feeling of, oh, well, he'll be back. But you can never really count on that. I mean, what? Aaron Rodgers won the 2009 Super Bowl, right? So, yeah. And uh, there was probably a lot. Of, he'll be back. He'll be back. Decade plus later, hasn't been back. Similarly with Mahomes, you thought, mm-hmm. oh, second year, here we go. Like, this is just the start of something. And I think it was even Tom Brady on uh, it was a, uh, an appearance he had. I, I know because he was talking to Draymond Green about this, about how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. And there's just no words that you can use to accurately describe it. He won one and then went like a decade without yeah. winning another one. And so I, I think that's always going to be there. Um, but with Burrow, and uh, I'll just note this, he has not beaten the Cleveland Browns yet. <laughs> you know what that's worth? That's worth absolutely nothing. Um, the biggest thing with Burrow is that in three well, games Burrow in the will be playoffs, the first quarterback to champion an NFL team to a Super Bowl that has not beaten the Browns. Who cares? Probably, <laughs> but who cares? Like, what are those, like, what's that gotten you? I, I don't think, I, I, I would hope that the Browns fans I've seen on Twitter saying, well, yeah, but he hasn't beaten the Browns are just doing it tongue in cheek. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone in Parma, Ohio, that's like super serious about this. I would hope that's not the case. But for Burrow, in, in three playoff games, he's got two interceptions. And you might argue the one against the Titans was, you know, on both him and Samaj P. Ryan. But he's, you know, the the numbers are great. The 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 plays when you need to have them are great. But it's the ball security, especially getting sacked nine times against yeah. the Titans. There were no oopsie daisy fumbles, like almost cost the Rams in their divisional round game against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> that was wild. They were like trying. They got up this big lead, and then they were just trying to give it away. They did not want to advance uh, out <laughs> out of Tampa Bay, and so I think there is really where you're going to see this this happen. But when you compare a Stafford and a Joe Burrow, what Cincinnati did so well is they provided Joe Burrow a defense. Mm-hmm. And, and and they've spent some money. Like, we talk a lot about how, you know, uh, LOL, uh, Brown family, cheap. Like yeah. that, that happens a lot. But they went out and got some dudes on the defensive side of the ball, and everything clicked It's arguably one of the them. best free agency halls 
a team has had in recent memory in, in my in mind. In terms of what took them from the basement of the AFC North to champions of the conference, mm-hmm. yeah, I would agree so. And Detroit never did that for Stafford. They never went out of their way to provide them with a defense that was championship caliber. And they never had the coaching staff, really the entire staff. And Jim Caldwell was there for a couple of years, and you wonder like what the hell they were doing with that Matt Patricia hire. But there was just never the, the things coming together at the right time for the Bengals that have just never happened for Stafford up until maybe this year, mm-hmm. you know, losing Robert Woods hurt, but they got Odell Beckham jr. At the exact same time. Yeah. So that kind of came together for them. For They've them. got the triple crown winning wide receiver and Cooper cup. They've got a defense that just added Von Be- or Von Miller, excuse me. And so maybe this is the right time for the Rams, but both of those things have to come together for what we're getting out of Joe Burrow. We were talking about this on Bishop and friends. This will be real quick here, but uh, the idea that this is almost like an ideological uh, team building NFL championship because the Rams, have, the Rams have just been like, we don't care about first round picks. We'll just go get known commodities. We, we don't have a first round pick for years and they're in the Super Bowl. Whereas the Bengals, they, uh, they bottomed out. They drafted the quarterback. They drafted a playmaker for him. They didn't draft a tackle. They didn't care about the sacks. They drafted a playmaker. I don't think, I think there's less sacks on Joe Burrow if they draft a, a, a good left tackle, but I don't think, uh, they might beat I, the don't Browns. Think, I don't think they're in the Super Bowl. No, they might beat the Browns. Absolutely not, yeah. So I think, and you're right. So there, there's two ways to do it, but I would rather, I guess, say to do it the bang, the way the Bengals did. It should be the, the blueprint for any other team trying to get into championship contention. And it starts with your quarterback. There's a Buckeye basketball game today. We're going to talk about it next. Basketball brunch on the fan. Back on the hardwood today. Buckeye basketball is taking on Maryland. Maryland not having a very good season. They uh, fired Mark Turgeon earlier uh, in the year. Mutually parted ways. Mutually parted ways. That was really quiet. That like just kind of happened. It was just like a headline. And it was like, okay. It's like a Friday when they announced yeah. it. That, I guess like, Mark Turgeon's no longer coach of Maryland. Please pack it. But the Buckeye basketball team, uh, they're back. Yes. They haven't played. What did they play last, last Sunday? Sunday it's right? been an exact week since that three-point heartbreaker at Purdue. And this is like the third time this year that it's happened that they've had a week or more in, in a break. And uh, speaking of something that I haven't heard from in a while, I have not heard from something. Timmy Hall in a while. <laughs> yes, yeah, something. Hey, Timmy, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, Chops? Reeser, talked to you yesterday. Yeah, Mark, it's good to speak to you. It's been a while, man. <laughs> I, yeah, well, our schedules are, you know, they're on the opposite end of our programming day. So there's just these these periods where, yeah, I just never see Timmy. So it's it's nice to hear from you. You, you know, you, you cover all things Ohio State on the Buckeye Show. And right now we're in the middle of basketball season. How have you felt with this whole, like, jumbled Stop season start. where, yeah, we just keep losing yeah. games? It kind of sucks, doesn't it? I, really I mean, does. I, think, I think I feel the same way you do and all Buckeye basketball fans do where it's it, I hate saying this, but it almost feels worse than last year did when we were in the heart of the pandemic and there weren't any fans at any of the games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I posed that question to the Holt man a couple weeks ago, too, I kind of tried to ask him if, if this year, because of all these stop starts, or is even weirder than last. And he wouldn't he wouldn't bite on that. To his credit, he wouldn't because of how strange it was last season playing with zero fans around and having a basically a, a quarantined season and an NCAA tournament that was played entirely in the state of Indiana. I mean, we're going to remember that, right, until until the day we die, how an entire NCAA tournament took place 
really not just in Indiana, but what was the farthest out from Indy it was? West Lafayette. They had some yeah. games at Purdue and down the road. Ohio State had a game at West Lafayette. Yes, they did. Did everybody have to stay in Indianapolis? They did. So you I had guess. to like travel to those games, yeah. Well, I would. I mean, I would assume. You no, know, I think Ohio State did stay somewhere around Indianapolis. I would hope so. so. Yeah. No. They had to take the bus ride up there. But yeah, I'm with you. It's been tough to get a read on it. But you bring up and you mentioned the game today. How it is the Maryland Terrapins. I think Ohio State is catching another break here, guys. In that there's no, there's really no other opponent. And, and again. I say this, I've been studying up Maryland and looking at the metrics. Numbers-wise, metrics-wise, there is nothing that suggests Maryland could come in here and get the win today. Mm-hmm. So those, when you look at those scripts, right, that always makes you a little bit more nervous and puts you on edge. But whether you're looking at offense, defense, assist-to-turnover ratio, Maryland has a slight edge in rebounding, but that's about all that I could find. And you could look at 20 stat categories, and Ohio State's leading in 19 of them if you're going to throw rebounding Maryland's way. And outside their backcourt with Fats Russell, the Rhode Island transfer, and Eric Ayala, who we've known for a while, their backcourt is good, but they don't seem like they have enough. I mean, you mentioned it, Chops. They're an 11-11 and basketball team turmoil. Weird situation with their coach, Mark Turgeon, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. was just given a contract extension, and then four or five games into the season, it's it's done. We've we've known Turge though to be one of the more rough around the edges kind <laughs> yeah. of guys, kind of up there with uh, Fran McCaffrey. You're a big Iowa fan. He just sort of rubs you the wrong way. And I don't know uh, what he did with the brass there at Maryland that uh, you know gave him the bad feelings to get him. Did he have there. a big thing with Juwan Howard and uh, uh, yes, one of the Big did. Ten tournaments? Of course, last year's Big yeah. Ten tournament yeah. and a thing with the Holt man. Remember and then. <laughs> Chris kind of with his uh, under-the-radar spite went out there with uh, that comment about 9 o'clock tips. Late games. After <laughs> Turge was complaining about 9 o'clock tips after he complained for three straight you know, weekly media press conferences about Caleb Wesson and how he was allowed to bully other players. And Holtman heard him complaining about having to play late. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, we, uh, we got a 9 o'clock tip tonight. I got to tell you, I love 9 o'clock tips. <laughs> Nothing better than a 9 o'clock tip. Yeah, so I, I'm. I, yeah, it, it seems like people were probably okay that Mark Turgeon was shown the door, and he's no longer a. Even Mark a Turgeon to, was probably okay with it. No longer a problem you have to I deal with in the Big Ten. Speaking of the Big Ten, I was looking at the standings, and you know, Ohio State they're they're tied for second in the loss column, but these two Big Ten postponements put them two, three games behind every other team right now they're six and three in the conference right. and now they're going to have to play i mean the reports are that they're going to try to reschedule these nebraska and iowa games so they're gonna have to play 11 games in the next calendar month, month. and february is yeah. a short month if, if everybody doesn't forget that's going to be wild for the end stretch of the season the old 28 day month as we are right smack it's really a, a couple weeks left in february right when you yeah. look at the, the crammed days but you're right, man. Six and three would have been nice. Maryland almost clipped Michigan State. Michigan State got a layup uh, in the last few seconds from Hall, and uh, Halls are great, by the way. And they beat the Terrapins, so that <laughs> would have been nice. The, right? Yeah, that would have been nice if you looked ahead and you know got another, another some help there from a team at the bottom of the standings. You you need to win, right? If you're talking about championship race, this is a must win today. You know, Ron Stokes will talk about it when I have him on here shortly you got to protect home court. I mean, there's there's no more important rule in a long, you know, 20-game Big Ten basketball season than winning at home, especially when you've got a team that's 3-8 and eight like Maryland. 
And you want to make those games up, right, guys? Because mm-hmm. they're home games. And they're games that you think you could win. And hopefully, while it might be to your disadvantage to play that many games in a compressed schedule, guys want to play basketball. And it's. I hope that they put their AAU basketball shorts on. You know what I mean? Right. Where you play three, four games in a day. I've said this before. Just do it. You want to play. You just want to get out there and play. Tell us when... We'll turn the lights on at the Schottenstein Center. We'll do it at the Cavelli, St. John, wherever. Let's get these games in. Well, there you have it. Buckeyes take on the Maryland Terrapins today at 1. Timmy's got his warm-up show here in just about five minutes, and uh, that's where we'll that's where we'll have you. Timmy, thanks for coming on with us. All right, guys. Happy Sunday. All right. So, I really, that 11 game, it's going to be weird because there's been these stretches where, like, we haven't had to watch too much Buckeye basketball because they just haven't played. 11 games in a month is going to be a lot. It, it's it's going to be, I think, fun from a fan standpoint. We'll see how they play on the court. Just real quick from Adam Jardy. Uh, Eugene Brown uh, will not be playing it today. Uh, he's got a walking boot on his left foot. Some A similar, like, turf toe injury. Um, not supposed to be long-term. Of course, another random injury for a role player. Court today. <laughs> Jamari Wheeler just getting over his foot injury. I would expect if this is going to be a get-right game for the basketball Buckeyes, it's a get-right game for Jamari Wheeler and for Zed Key. Hopefully Buckeyes taken on Maryland. You can hear that game right here on the fan football brunch chops and Eric Reeser here on the fan.